Welcome to the Duet Partner Podcast. My name is Nylon. At Duet, we pride ourselves on being the original studio management software for independent music teachers who want to focus on nurturing students, not running a business. Our dedication to teachers remains unwavering. Music is our passion and music teachers are our heroes. In a world that can seem heavy and overwhelmed with challenges, music is the great antidote. Teachers are the enablers, the incubators of future artistic expression. At Duet, we do everything we can to encourage your work, treat you with dignity, and express our gratitude for what you give the world. Striving to be a great teacher is a lifelong pursuit. And at Duet, we want to be your partner for continuing education along the way. This podcast will introduce you to your peers and the masters in your industry so that you can learn and be inspired just as you inspire others. I am delighted to have with me today Emily Lundberg, and I'm really excited about this conversation. I think uh, anybody who's a, a music teacher or specializes in early music education is going to absolutely love our conversation today. So I'm going to start by giving uh, some biographical background on Emily. Emily Lundberg is a dedicated music teacher and full-time mother of identical twin girls and a busy three-year-old boy. Wow. (laughs) She grew up in Utah, Montana, and Ohio, and now claims Utah as her home. She graduated from Brigham Young University with a dual degree in elementary education and music education. Emily is Kodai certified, and she taught in the Provo, Utah School District for five years, teaching general music education to kindergarten through sixth grade students, while also serving as the special needs music specialist for the district. She was nominated for the very prestigious Beverly Sorensen Arts Award, and she was the head of the early early childhood music department at the Gifted Music School in Salt Lake City. She has taught music and movement at the Intermountain Suzuki Strings Institute for the last five years. And she is the founder of Music Adventure Box, which we're going to talk about a lot today, which is an early childhood music subscription box and online music program. It's very fun, and I'm excited for our listeners to get to know this program. Teaching young children to love music through movement and through their whole bodies is her passion. So welcome, Emily. It's great to have you on the Duet Partner Podcast today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. So uh, let's start with your musical background. I'm, I'm curious about your musical training as a child. What instrument did you study? When did you get started? Were you a, were you a good practicer or did you have to be prodded by your parents? Well, my parents kind of had this, um, there are eight of us in the family. And oh, wow. um, so they, my dad was a pianist growing up and my mom never had formal music training, but she is a natural musician, always singing. She has, she can make up songs and words and the drop of a hat. She's just really, really a musical person. And uh, they felt like it was really important that their kids um, could at least play the piano. And so with the oldest brothers, um, they would play or they would pay someone to come in and teach everybody piano. And my older brothers rebelled a lot. They did not like playing piano. And so my parents came up with this. um, They started bribing my brothers. So they said, well, how about instead of paying someone to teach you, we pay you to learn what we want you to learn. 
And so that's what they did. They started paying my brothers to learn how to play. Hymns were the most important thing for my parents. And so uh-huh. every hymn that they could play perfectly, they made money. Oh, And that was how clever. my older brothers learned to play piano. But then I kind of showed up after five boys and I just loved piano. I didn't really care about the money. I just wanted to learn how to play. And so um, I started piano probably around eight. And um, my dad taught me. He was a really good pianist. My dad taught me for a long time. I took a little bit at BYU. Um, My instrument at BYU was voice. And so piano kind of took a back seat, but voice is my instrument. So you're a singer. Okay. I'm a singer. You discover... How did you discover that you had a had a voice when you were when you were young? Um, this is another thing that I, I need to give a head nod to my mom because um, instead of the radio, she insisted that we all sing together. So it was kind of like the Von Trapp family singers. Whenever we went on a on a family trip or whatever in the back of a van, we'd all be singing and harmonizing, and oh, she teach us rounds and all of that. So that was kind of the family culture for me growing up, and so we just we just sing. That's kind of what we do. I love it. My, uh, my, my mother's side of the family was like that too. We have all of these family songs that I grew up knowing and, and singing with my cousins and aunts and uncles. That's such a wonderful family culture. I love it. So tell, tell me a little bit more about how you transitioned into uh, music education. It sounds like that's what you studied in school. So you obviously knew going into college that that was something you were interested in. How did you come to that conclusion? Um, I knew, how did I come to that conclusion? I knew at 11 that I wanted to be a music teacher and I thought that I wanted to be a voice teacher because then it'd be really easy. I always wanted to be a mom too. And I knew I wanted to do something that I could do with children around. And so 11 years old, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a voice teacher. And, um, so then I made it into the music program at BYU with my voice and, And so I was like, well, I don't, I'm not really feeling vocal performance. And so I took the music education for um, just to learn what you can do with a music education degree, what careers they are, there are. And, uh, and I remember the moment that the elementary music professors came in and they started this video of a children's choir in Hungary. And these children were sight singing in solfege perfectly, in beautiful tone, perfectly in tune for the first time ever seeing the music. And I was just completely stunned. Children can sight sing better than I can as a college student. Like, how is this possible? And I actually started to tear up just because these children's voices were so beautiful. And so that is the moment that I realized I wanted to teach children how to sing and how to be musical. I love it. I think that's so rare that people have a single moment that they can pinpoint that helps them decide, you know, what it is that they want to dedicate their life to. So that's, that's fantastic. So what happened after you got out of college? It sounds like you went to work in a school district and in, in the public schools. Um, it was, was that just kind of a seamless transition? It was. Um, at the time, the um, BYU Music Ed program with the elementary dual degree, um, they wanted their teachers to go out and teach in the Provo School District because it's a Kodai music program in Provo. And so they want us to all teach Kodai that we've just been trained in and yeah. teach it in that school district. So they kind of handpicked 
people to go teach for them. Um, so yes, I taught there for five years. I loved it. I did get a little, um, a little burned out. It's kind of tough to teach, you know, 700 plus kids in a week and, um, and with administration that may or may not be supportive and with teachers who may or may not, um, think that what you're doing is worth their, their students time. And so then they'll keep their kids back and it is, it, you know, it's a little bit of a burnout. Um, and then I was hired by the gifted music school to start teaching their early childhood music program and to start that. Um, and that's local, local music school in Salt Lake city. Just, just focuses on music. Yes. And it's it's a fantastic school, really, really high quality music education. Um, And they gave me free reign. So I felt like I could actually be creative and Mm -hmm. actually do what I've always been wanting to do with these kids. And it was magical. It was magical. And then I um, became head of the department and helped create curriculum and everything that, that I could there. It was really, really fun. So for our listeners who don't know, tell us a little bit about the Kodai method. Who who was Kodai and, and what is that method? Um, Zoltan Kodai uh, was a Hungarian composer and teacher. He started collecting folk songs from around Hungary with um, his fellow composer Bartok in around uh, 1905. And Kodai became aware of the great need to improve the quality of singing and the music training of teachers and children. And so he began a program that would make quality music education more accessible to everyone. And that was kind of his big thing. Kodai felt that music was part of everyone's basic heritage and should be instilled in them at a young age. So uh, one of his quotes, he was giving a lecture on children's choirs. He said, teach music and singing at school in such a way that it is not a torture, but a joy for the pupil. Instill a thirst for finer music in him, a thirst which will last for a lifetime. If the child is not filled at least once by the life-giving stream of music during the most susceptible period between his sixth and sixteenth years, it will hardly be of any use to him later on. Often a single experience will open the young soul to music for an entire lifetime. Oh, I love so, it. That's a great reminder yes. today. Right? Yes. yes. It's so important that we get this ingrained in their hearts when they are young. And so anyway, his philosophy is to help the child learn how to read music through their first instrument, their own voice. And then as they grow in confidence with music in their bodies, they're more ready to play an instrument and and fully grasp what they're playing because mm-hmm. they could sing it. They can internalize it, all of that. So um, our philosophy at Music Adventure Box is the same. We want everyone to have beautiful musical experiences as a family because music is truly the great connector. No matter the background of the family, we want to bring music back into the home and back into the family culture like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And what does it take to get Kodai certified? Is there an international or national organization? Do you have to take classes? Yes, there's an international Kodai association. Um, I got my training at Brigham Young University. It's a three-year program. Um, and you you go to summer school, You the teachers that they hire to teach you, I mean, we're, we're doing really intensive um, solfege training, sight singing, theory, how to break down these really complex um, music 
concepts into something that's super basic that you can teach a child, um, pedagogy, um, uh, music appreciation, teaching choirs, all of that. I mean, it's, it's a really intensive program, but it's, it's totally worth it. (laughs) So great. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, so you've mentioned already that, that this training and Kodai is what, uh, music adventure box is founded on and it's the, it's the, the guiding philosophy, the guiding principle, but tell us a little bit how you decided to transition into running your own small business dedicated to early music education. How did that come about? Oh, this is, we, so when I was teaching early childhood at the gifted music school, I had some really amazing parents that would come talk to me and say, Hey, how can we reinforce what we're learning here in the music room? at home. Um, And lots of these parents were not musical themselves. They just knew that music was such an important part of their child's development. They wanted to make sure that they were being proactive in the home. And other than like YouTube videos and, hey, seeing what you're already doing in music class, I I didn't have a lot to give them. And so um, I told my brain, hey, brain, we've got to figure out a way to support families that really want to have musical experiences at home with their kids, whether they're musical or not. And so um, I just kind of left it in my subconscious to work on. And then about two weeks later, I had this idea in the middle of the night and I slapped my husband awake. I I know he was (laughs) so appreciative. (laughs) I said, Matt, we are going to start a musical subscription box. And this is the way we can take folk songs. We can take classical music. We can make it approachable and easy for parents and send it right to their homes. So that's that's the beginning of it. I love it. Why do the best ideas always come in the middle of the night, right? <laughs> People up to share them. That's fantastic. Yeah. So how long have you been engaged in this business? When did you start it? Uh, we launched in December 2019. And so the idea came in July 2019. And then we just worked as fast as we could to get it launched by December yeah. So, yeah. and that was actually great timing. I'm sure because I know the demand for at-home activities with young children was pretty high last year, wasn't it? Right, right. I mean, it came at kind of the perfect time. Um, the the really neat thing was with the pandemic, a lot of obviously a lot of families were home, still still are home, and may be going back home in the short future. Hopefully not, but. Um, especially families who have children with special needs felt isolated and like they did not have the support that they usually have. And so we had a lot of families whose kids have special needs ordering these boxes. And um, one mom, she spoke to me on the phone and she said, hey, I have two things that I can do with my son where I feel like I can connect with him. One of them is swimming in our swimming pool because I know he's not going to get into anything. Um, he has Down syndrome and he's 10 and he likes to just run. <laughs> he likes to take off and run anywhere. And she was burned out and overwhelmed. And she said, so I can swim in the pool with him and I can do music adventure box. And that is it. Those are the only two things I feel like I can do with my child. So those kinds of that kind of feedback is what, has kept us going through the difficulty of starting a new business. Um, but it, it really is miraculous. I don't think that this idea came from me. I think that it was something that was really needed in our world. So yeah, it's pretty great timing. Yeah. Well, the, the idea of exposing really young children to music has been around for generations. You know, I'm, I've got, I've got older 
teen kids. And I remember, you know, 20 years ago when I was first taking uh, birthing classes, there was a a woman who had earphones around her stomach playing Mozart to her. (laughs) And, and And of course, you know, the whole baby Einstein craze. And I started my own piano education when I was three. And while not all children start lessons or instruments that young, many parents take babies to movement classes and engage them in rhythm exercises, as you're describing. And it's one of the first ways we communicate with and, and teach our babies, really. Uh, and so, you know, could I mention, I guess, six to 16 as the sweet spot for introducing children to music? But but um, but you focus on a little bit younger than that. If I understand correctly, Music Adventure Box um, is is really geared towards preschool and up to kindergarten age. Is that is that accurate? Yes. I, I feel like, well, I know because of my own teaching experience and my own kids. I mean, kids can read rhythms accurately so early. I mean, 18 months we're having some of our students are reading quarter and eighth note rhythms and they are so excited about it. Mm. They're thrilled that they can say, hey, mom, this is how this rhythm goes. Yeah, And uh, I think it's just something that can build their confidence. It's teaching them beginning literacy skills, reading left to right, symbols equal sounds. Um, All of those skills, if you can start them that young, then reading is easy. (laughs) Reading and school and math, you know, it's just, and and it turns into playtime. I mean, how do you feel about this idea of exposing, you know, babies and very young children just to the audible experience, the auditory experience of music. I mean, even if all of those skills weren't being gained by this, what do you what do you think very young children get out of that auditory experience of just listening to music? So music ignites the entire brain. I mean, they've done studies on um, on different subjects. They'll map out what parts of the brain are lit up, right? During different subjects. If someone's reading, then this part of their brain lights up. If someone's doing math, this part of the brain lights up. Um, Dancing lights up this part of the brain. But music is the only subject that lights up the entire brain. And so when when we're exposing children to music, even just audibly, even just holding a child and rocking them to the beat or dancing with them, whatever you're doing that's a musical experience with your child is is providing stimulus for their entire brain. It's helping those synapses to just fire so fast at a very crucial time in that child's development. Mm -hmm. So yes, even if you're not going to teach them how to read a rhythm or how to sightseeing from a music staff, just, you know, starting an art project and listening to um, classical music or, I mean, even, even folk songs, you know, just anything that will get that those brain synapses to start growing and connecting is just really, really crucial. So tell us a little bit about what's in the boxes. I've, I've seen your website. I know it's so creative and, um, you know, there, there's so many things to engage with, but is that, what's your formula for, for each box each month? Okay. Um, this is the fun part for me is creating these boxes. So, um, every month we have a lap mat, And the lap mat is a folk song that's been turned into a game that you can open and play on your lap with your child. So you can sing it. Some of them are puzzles. Some of them are um, little paper dolls. You're singing about different clothes that they're wearing. You are um, the one that we're getting ready for um, 
this is right on my mind because it's about to be November, but the one we're getting ready for um, November is uh, the folk song Aiken Drum. And they're going to be singing about making Aiken Drum's body out of carrot sticks and celery and just sparking that creativity. And then we'll We'll move it into eating at the table. So we're also going to try working on skills of, um, you know, trying new foods and being creative with your food so kids can create their own little uh, person out of their snack. Anyway, that's a tangent. But the lab mat games are a folk song that we've turned into a game. And on the back of the lab mats, we also have tons of ideas where you can do it with one child, you can do it with an infant, how to play the music and the games in a classroom setting with a bunch of little kids. So we try to provide lots of support there with the lap mats. Um, Every box also has a composer study and a movement activity from a composition by that composer. So um, like for Christmas, we'll be doing the Nutcracker and we'll have information about Tchaikovsky, and we'll have a couple of different really, really fun um, movement activities that go with the Nutcracker. And so we have a composer study. We have a book in every single box that's musical or rhythmical in some way that you can sit down and enjoy with your child. And then on top of that, we have an instrument or a stuffed animal or an art thing, something that... um, enhances the theme of that box. So yeah, that's that's what comes inside the box to your door. And then we've got videos that go along with everything so parents are not left on their own. We've got recordings so that parents that aren't comfortable with their own voices, um, it's so easy for them to just sit down and they don't even have to sing. I encourage that because I think that children listening to their parents' voice is first and foremost important even if the parent is out of tune it doesn't matter they want we want them to learn that their parents voice is the most important voice that they can listen to so anyway all of we we just want to provide all the support we can so that parents feel successful right away no matter their background yeah so you kind of answered my next question which is how do parents who are not musical themselves use the boxes right so they don't yeah. necessarily have to be the one singing the song you're encouraging it obviously but but it sounds like it's pretty self-explanatory for parents who are not necessarily trained in music is that true That's true um we we want them to feel confident in their own voice we we want parents we have lots of musician parents inside the program and they love it and they're able to take it a little bit further. They're able to see the concept and see, Oh, but down the road, this is teaching this thing, you know? Um, but for parents without musical background, it's also been really, really um, supportive for them and their family goals. Uh, we had one family who the mom is not musical at all. Her husband is musical, um, but she was the one at home with the kids and she wanted to create musical experiences for her twin boys who both have autism and she felt inadequate. And she told me that um, there was one night that was a particularly difficult bedtime and, um, and her son just could not calm down and she was overwhelmed. She was frustrated. And suddenly she thought, okay, maybe if I sing to him. <laughs> so she said, do you want to sing together? Would that help? And he said, yes, I want to sing. And she couldn't remember any songs. And she's, she's like, oh, 
I can't think of anything. Even like Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star did not even occur to her. And so she said, what do you want to sing? And he had all these songs from Music Adventure Box that he wanted to sing. And that was how she was able to um, sit and connect and help him calm down for bedtime without a music background. And I'm so grateful that we could help her feel like she was the mom she wanted to be in that moment. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, for our listeners of this podcast who are Duet subscribers, we are excited that Emily has agreed to provide a discount code, which is available in your account. If you go into your account and you go to the podcasts section of, of resources, you'll find that code. And we encourage uh, anybody who is a parent of young children, but you also mentioned that um, these boxes can be used for, for group classes for more than one child. So I'm sure there's, there's some of our teachers who uh, might be interested in doing that for their professional purposes as well. So um, it's such such a great product, Emily, and it sounds like you've had such wonderful feedback from it already. But for parents and teachers who are not using your boxes, what are some of the guiding principles you'd suggest for teaching young children music uh, fundamentally? What are the what are the principles that that people could use do on their own or apply on their mm-hmm. own? Um, nursery rhymes are an absolutely beautiful place to start. You are not only teaching them the uh, musical aspect of nursery rhymes, but you're also teaching them the rhythm of language. Um, So nursery rhymes, I love, love, love nursery rhymes. Um, Nursery rhymes. Rock rock your child while you sing a lullaby. Play finger plays and action songs. Um, Dancing to classical music. Um, for teachers listening to the form of music and coming up with characters that are each section of that piece. You know, you can have the cat is the A section and the, the B section is the dog. And and you can have that become a game for your group classes. Um, and that's so fun and engaging for little kids. Um, listen to music and tell a story that goes along with it. You know, you, you can do dance macabre for Halloween and tell the story of the uh, monster of ceremonies and him coming into the graveyard and all of that. And, and you're just igniting that imagination in those students. Um, listen to classical music while you're drawing and coloring, reading musical books and sing and sing. When you're singing with your child, they bond with you and your voice and and again, singing with your children makes yours the first and most important voice in their life. And thats I think that's a really important piece of parenting. Um, I also recommend for parents and, and even teachers that you, when, when you're having a difficult transition moment in the day, like when it's hard for your kids to go from um, snack time to uh, nap time or something, then you have a song, a transition song that helps make that difficult moment um, easier. It makes it into I a I did game. that with my kids. I remember our little, we had a little yeah. song. <laughs> it, it's like magic. It's like magic. If you can start singing a transition song, then those difficult moments smooth out really, really well. Yeah. Fantastic. What's the best advice you've received as an early education and elementary music teacher? Um, you can probably tell that a big piece of my passion is connection. Um, and I feel it is so important to connect to your students. You are not just teaching them music. You are teaching those students life. 
You're teaching them how to work through hard things. You're teaching them how to feel their emotions. You're teaching them social skills, presentation skills, language skills, and none of that is possible if you yourself do not connect with that student. Look them in the eyes when you sing or play together. I think that's such an important piece. Um, I feel like so many of our society, we're just not looking into the eyes of people that we are speaking with. And so connect with them in their eyes when you're singing and playing together. Smile, give high fives, um, be a safe space for that student to be a human, a human that has the support to fail, the support to succeed, and the support to grow through all of this experience. So, um, yeah, I think that's connection is the most important thing for teachers. Hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. It makes me want to go back and, and do it all over again with, with my three kids, which is <laughs> saying a lot because, uh, you know, it's, it is, it's a, it's a difficult, but such a rewarding journey to, to raise children in music, whether they're your own or whether you're, you're teaching other children. And, and I can tell the, the love and, and dedication that you have to your profession and to your industry as you talk about it. It's very, very beautiful. Um, so I, I'm going to sort of wrap up our conversation with a question that I ask all, everybody that, that we have on our podcast. And this is your opportunity to share with us a teacher that meant a lot to you. And, you know, you've talked about connecting with young children, um, sharing so much of yourself, loving them and, and teaching them these fundamental skills. So who, who did that for you? Who really stands out in your mind? And maybe it was someone from your young childhood, or maybe it was someone from when you were older. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, this actually, this question makes me tear up and I don't know how many, I'm guessing a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's, there's a lot and, of emotion in this answer for everybody. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Whew, here it comes. Um, Susan Kenny. Oh my goodness. This is really opening floodgates, but she was the most influential music teacher in my life. Um, she actually didn't teach me private lessons. She taught me how to teach. So um, she taught me how to break things down so much that a toddler can understand abstract concepts like beat and rhythm. She taught me to be that safe space for a child. And um, she taught me that music can change the world through families. And I think that's what's um, really spurred on Music Adventure Box is my desire to take what really um, what she instilled in me and actually make change. Um, I, I want to change the world. I want this to be a safe space again for children. And I feel like families is where we start. And if we can help families connect and grow and bond again, then then we can change the world. And I, and music is the greatest connector. And so um, she taught me what music can actually do for children and their families with the right support. So that's who it is. That's Susan Kenny. So she's just an amazing person. Wonderful. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm fully confident you are going to change the world, Emily, and, and all music teachers here, you know, at Duet, we talk a lot about the, the love and respect that we have for teachers, and, and you're just such a great example of the dedication and devotion we find in, in the teachers that we work with. So 
Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. I want to mention to our listeners that you will also be presenting a webinar for us um, on December 1st. So, you know, if you want to learn more from Emily on uh, how to approach early music child, early childhood music education, uh, we encourage you to look out for the information on how to join that webinar. That webinar will be available to the general public on December 1st. And then a recording of it will be available to Duet subscribers after that. So I am personally really excited to learn more from you, Emily. And I'm just really grateful for your time today. So thank you very much. You're so welcome. It's been an honor to be here. And also, I want to say thank you for Duet support um, for music teachers in general. I feel like music teachers don't get enough support and having companies like Duet that wants to provide the kind of support and technology support and um, a community of really amazing music teachers is just invaluable. So I just, I want to say thank you to you guys too, for all that you're doing for music teachers everywhere. Thank you. Thank you.